Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth, so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Tony Bradshaw. Tony is the builder of future millionaires. He grew up in a lower income neighborhood in Nashville. In his early 20s, he realized he was mismanaging his money and knew something needed to change. He set himself up on a path and created millions of dollars of wealth by age 40. He is on a mission to battle poverty by providing financial hope, education, and inspiration to people around the world. Wealth Science, I bring you Tony Bradshaw. Tony, what's up, brother? What's going on? Hey, Jesse, man. Thanks for, thanks for helping me on, helping me, or having me on your show. I'm really looking forward to it. Tony, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I mean, your mission is incredible. Your story is incredible from where you've come from and just how many people that you're helping attain financial freedom. And I just love the message of anyone can be a millionaire. I'm a huge believer in that. And I know this show is going to add a ton of value. For the people who don't know who you are, Tony, I would love for you to take, take a couple minutes and kind of introduce yourself and give your background. Yeah, sure, man. Uh, well, I grew up in a low-income family, uh, East Nashville. My dad still lives in the house I grew up in. Uh, you know, a little bit of trivia: tornadoes were really well known for our tornadoes in Nashville. And uh, this year, a tree got the back side of my dad's house, took off about four hundred square feet. Fortunately, he was at work, and and uh, and he got to save his bed. It missed his bed too. Yeah, he's a woodworking <laughs> guy, so he makes his own bed, and and uh, that was still sitting there, looking out the back uh, as the back wall got peeled off. But yeah, they still live in the same house. My mom passed away in 2016, and you know, just good hard working parents. You know, my mom. Uh, you know, I have memories of my mom working. Sometimes, man, she was working 80, 100 hours a week just to put food on the table for us, take care of us. And uh, you know, my dad, he had good years and bad years. He was a uh, you know, independent uh, contractor working, you know, doing construction, whatever he could do to make money. I even uh, had some memories. Uh, at one point, he worked for a company called Wright Industries here in town, which uh, built machinery, uh, manufacturing machinery and things. It was very custom kind of all stuff, metalworking type stuff. And uh, yeah, they went on strike, weren't getting paid enough. And I remember being down at the strike uh, it went with uh, the trash barrels. You know, you, you see them in the, in the, Shows sometimes you got trash barrels with flames coming out. I remember being down there with my dad one day while he's on strike and did a couple. I think he did two, three, four weeks of strike. And he's finally like, hey, we got to make some money. And that's what pushed him off into the construction business. So he left the right industries, went to the construction business. Yeah. And then, you know, I I hit some job sites with him. But even as hard as my parents worked, they didn't manage their money real well. And, you know, I've got memories of having the power cut off, you know, multiple times during my childhood. You know, I just thought it was kind of, oh, the power's off again. And then my mom and dad run a check down to the power company and get the power cut back on. So it's kind of like a routine. Um, water would get cut off. When that happened, we had a, a tool my dad had called Water Key, which you could buy at Home Depot or Lowe's. And yeah. All it does is turn the water meter on and off. And, you know, I'd, sometimes my dad would send me out there. You know, I got a little bit bigger. I'd go out and do it. And other times he would do it. And, you know, they, that works pretty good for turning the water on to take showers and stuff until they padlock it. 
until you pay your bill. So, you know, they want their money and you got to pay it. And, uh, but yeah, and you know, clothes, I didn't wear the, the nice clothes. My parents did sacrifice a lot. They did send me to a private school. Uh, there was a couple of years there where my parents couldn't pay tuition. And I don't know why the principal let me keep going to school there. We were like two years behind the tuition on me and my sister. And, and uh, he let us keep going. And, you know, eventually, I don't even know what happened to that debt, but you know, my, my situation was very different from some of the other kids. And, but uh, that was kind of life, man, growing up. And then, uh, you know, I was doing more of the same. I got married. I didn't, didn't get married yet. I uh, got out of college and was mismanaging my money. And and I got my first W-2, and I'm looking at that paycheck, you know, looking at W-2, about to file my taxes. I'm going, I made $39,000 last year. How in the world did I make $39,000? Where did it all go? And fortunately, I'm a little bit of a math nerd. And it just didn't compute very quickly. Just didn't, things didn't line up. I just looked around, you know, I was living with my parents still, you know, 25 years old, looking, living with my parents, paying rent. I wasn't freeloading off of them. And uh, I looked around, I'm like, what do I have? Like, where'd all that money go? So I had, you know, a nice stereo, a nice computer. I financed my computer for about two grand, uh, bought the stereo, bought the uh, television. My dad made me a desk. Um, I bought a computer, you know, a stereo cabinet. And then uh, had a couch in there with my parents' couch, you know, living room furniture. So I was living in the studio uh, living room and then I had a bed I put together and bought a mattress and, you know, and then a car, a car note. And I'm going, wow, that's all I got to show for it. And I financed the car and I financed the, the computer. Like I had like $16,000 in debt. So I'm going, wow, 39,000. Uh, I made it $16,000 in debt. I'm $55,000 in the wrong direction. That's just not a good thing. And I don't ever need to do that again. Like I can never do that again. So that's when I really started, you know, learning about money because something's got to change, man. And and that's what I did. I just went to the bookstore. You know, unfortunately, we didn't have the internet back then. Today, it's a lot easier to learn about money than it was back then. But grab some books, grab some magazines, and then put a plan together and just said, you know what? I think I can be a millionaire by age 40. I did the compound interest thing, looked at the indifferent investments and and that was, you know, armed with very little information. That's what I started with. And, and I was able to do that by age 40. And I didn't plan for everything. Uh, you know, in my plan, I did not plan on a wife with $20,000 in debt. So I was debt free when I got married, but my wife uh, had 20 grand. So I had to keep paying on hers. And that wasn't in the formula. And then, uh, you know, six kids, uh, just for the record, you know, I don't know what it is today because my kids are a little bit older, but I did. I tried to talk my wife into getting uh, diapers, using cloth diapers instead of instead of disposable diapers because of the money man it's like 1500 bucks a kid for diapers you know from ages like one to two i mean zero to two and and i was just like wow but she wasn't having it so i had to you know fork out the money for the diapers and and it just gets expensive and you don't realize you know as a 25 year old guy you don't realize what all's going on and you know you're just kind of stumbling through life best you can but uh yeah i put a plan together and with a little bit of knowledge and wow bam it happened yeah, that's that's an incredible beginning, and and I think, I mean, so many similarities between your story and my story. I was born to incredible parents who who worked their asses off and gave you know my siblings and I the best life possible. So I, I completely you know identify with that. I was super fortunate like you. I mean, that's incredible. You know, I'm super interested from you know where you started back when you're 20 years old or, you know, as a kid, you know, growing up in kind of that working class family to where you are today. I think a lot of people have the mindset that where do you start is where you have to end. 
And I personally disagree with that. So I guess, how did you kind of overcome maybe that stigma of growing up in a middle-class family and being maybe a little bit lower income and stuff like that? Was a mindset shift or, or what was the shift, I guess, from, you know, working class to building millions of dollars of wealth? Yeah. And, you know, the it starts the interesting thing. I think I, I call it the three misbeliefs of wealth. There's probably like four or five if you get down to it, but three big ones, which is kind of what you're defining is uh, it's one of those that I will, I was born into this. I will always be like this. I'm unfortunate. And that's just not true. Right. Um, and that's what I found, even as I'm teaching people about finance, you know, I thought I was pretty special by becoming a millionaire by age 40 until I started meeting all of these people that did it by age 30, by age 25. I've got a friend that made his first investment when he was six years old in a broke family. His dad was broke. Yeah. And he, he started learning about investing at age six. He was the one that got his dad to invest. And then uh, now he owns his own island in the British Virgin Islands, got a 36,000 square foot, uh, you know, resort home. Uh, and he's 32 years old. He's 32. Like, I thought I was doing pretty good. Like, he looks, he makes me look poor, man. He's, he's, he's doing great. And, and, you know, that's the pattern that I see is, you know, it starts, doesn't matter what age it starts with. It starts somewhere. I've got another friend who was age five and decided when his mom told him he couldn't ask for candy bars at the store because, she didn't want them other people to think that they were poor. And he went home and he thought about it. He's like, that's a problem. Like, I can't get a candy bar because we don't have money. How can I fix that? And he decided, he started telling his parents, I'm going to be rich when I grow up. And they just laughed at him. You know, you're not going to be rich, blah, blah, blah. Millionaire by age 25. Yeah. So, you know, so it starts in the mind and in the mindset. And, and however you break free from that, you know, Dave Ramsey uh, is a great guy. He's helping people break free from the debt mindset, right? So people, and it's kind of what you're saying, you're stuck, you're on this gerbil wheel, your hamster wheel, you're running in circles, you're not going anywhere, and you're stuck with debt, a debt mindset. You overspend, you spend too much money. I was that way at 25. At 26, I had a different mindset. It was a, It's an abundance mindset. So you're moving from a, a broke mindset to an abundance mindset. And, uh, and you do have, that's where it starts for everybody. You don't have all the answers. But you do get started moving in the right direction. And then you have to follow that up with action and, and you know, knowledge, knowledge and action. You can't just learn things. You have to apply them. And, and you know, that's where I started. I, you know, mindset shift first. I don't want to be broke. I want to try to be wealthy. I think I can be wealthy. I need to learn about money. It wasn't until I started learning that I actually realized that I could do it. Right. So I had to learn a little bit to have the belief that I could become a millionaire. And so, and, and it didn't take long. It was, it was surprising how little I had to learn to actually put things into action. And that's, and that's where I think people are stuck. They're just not learning that first little bit. And uh, that's what I hope to do with the millionaire choice. And my brand is just to inspire people to go, you know what? I'm nothing special, man. I grew up broke, just like you. My parents were broke. My dad, unfortunately, he's not broke. He's just not like wealthy. So it would, uh, I wish, I wish, you know, maybe he had made some different decisions, but um, because of where we come from and all these other people, there's a path. And that's what I love is that when you see that there's a path that other people have taken, you really just have to take that path. It's not that, it's not that hard. You just have to make different decisions. And I, I don't want to make it sound too easy, but, you know, I'll share one more story. Uh, one of the guys I had on my show, a guy named Dr. Ming Wang, phenomenal guy from China, born in China, raised in China. Um, in high school, okay, he got communist powers came in through him and 20 other million high school kids 
into concentration camps. So when he should have been in school, like 9th, 10th, 11th grade, he was in a concentration camp. And then finally, after three years, they said, oh, we've made a mistake. We're going to let all these kids back out. And they restarted the education system. And Dr. Ming Wang, his parents told him, said, hey, you got to catch up. You got to catch up. He's like, oh, what do I got to do? Do, do two, you know, uh, four years of school in like three years, I got to accelerate. And they go, no. He goes, you, you mean I got to do like two years, three years and two years? Or, and they go, no, you got to do all high school this year because the universities are open and we don't know when they're going to close and you need to take this opportunity. So he, he literally studied like 20 hours a day, slept for like four, studied for 20. His parents, they didn't have a lot of, they didn't have paper, man. So they're like taking notes and scraps of paper and napkins and writing out test questions for him and getting him to learn. And he's getting quizzed and tested. They'd come home from work, test him. And uh, he, he had to be like in the top 1%. You know, I'm probably missing this story up a little bit, but Dr. Ming Wang, got to off to college was able to go to college from there and then from there he, he ended up coming over to the united states somebody uh basically paid for him to have a ticket to the u.s gave him 50 bucks so he came to america with 50 bucks in his pocket as a high school graduate i'm sorry a university graduate he did get out of college came over here for like some more secondary education and that dude he lives here in nashville uh he's a millionaire wealthy guy so i mean if if he can do it with those odds stacked against him it just it should empower anybody that's listening to your show to go, wow, I, I could do this. Like, I believe it. I can do it. Yeah, I, I love that. And that story is insane. I didn't listen to that episode. I've listened to several of your podcasts. I'm, I just wrote that down. I'm going to crush that tonight because that story is insane. Uh, but I, I completely agree with a lot of the concepts you're talking about. I mean, the, the concept of just abundance. And I talk about this a lot, you know, just in my personal life. Where it's like, if you think, you know, $1,000 is a lot of money, and that's a lot of money to, to a lot of people out there, $1,000, then it's going to be difficult to procure $1,000 in wealth. Where if you think, in my mindset, you know, I think right now at 26 years old, $100 million is a lot of money in, in my mind, you know, where now it's easier for me to conceptualize, you know, procuring a million dollars in wealth or $2 million or $3 million. So I think that's super powerful, that abundant mindset is just and saying that, you know, I tell everybody, we talk a lot of real estate on here, but I'm diversified. I love crypto. I love stock, stocks and stuff like that. But the most important real estate in the world, it's the six inches between your ears, Tony. So I'm glad we started this conversation with that. It's, it's super powerful. Kind of transitioning now, like when you hit 26 years old and kind of that 26 years old to maybe 30s timeframe, Tony, you know, when people are looking, what's the blueprint to success or the blueprint to becoming a millionaire? And you talked about it a little bit already. I mean, the name of the show is Wealth Science, where we believe there's a systematic approach to building wealth. And like you said, there's already a path built. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. So what are your thoughts on kind of the first couple of steps people should be taking? And I guess what were some of the steps you were taking back in those years? Yeah, I think for everybody, the first one is to reprogram your mind so that, you know, because generally you're hanging out with people that are broke or hanging out with people that aren't managed their money well. And if you keep hanging out with those types of people, you're going to be just like them. And so you'll hear uh, a lot of people teach that you got to be around people that are moving where you want to go. Maybe not where you are, but where you want to go. Now, some of your friends, you might be able to take them along with you on the journey. But most of them, you're not going to be able to take them with you. Um, you're going to have to, you know, I hate to say this, but you're going to move on. Your life is going to develop. Um, don't let your past uh, hold you back, right? And so I had to separate from a lot of my friendships from back then. I still keep in touch with them today, but I wouldn't say that they had any 
you know, like real positive influence over my future or my life. It was the people that I latched onto in the future. Um, you know, people at my university I went to, my school I went to, and then, you know, the people that I worked with when I got out of college. So surround yourself with good people that are going in the the, the right direction. Whether that's you know an online community group. You know, they didn't we didn't have those back when I was doing this. Um, today you do. You know, um, I've got a friend I just talked to yesterday. Just started investing last year. First investments. He got into a group online, just did what they said, got 1,200% returns in his Roth IRA, 1,200%. If you did an S&P index, you would get about 400% over the last 20 years. He got 1,200% just last year. Yeah. And he, and he didn't know anything, know anything about investing. He's just doing what these guys said. And uh, it's because he's hanging out with the right guys. And that's how you can get those kind of results. That's what you have to do. Now, I was more of a do-it-yourself person, so I didn't really understand that. I had people who had positive influence over me, but it was mainly through work ethic and like leadership development and growth. Those are the people that I hung out with. I didn't really hang out with people that were money-minded, uh, heavily money-minded and investor-driven. They were somewhat that way. You know, I spent 15 years in the Dave Ramsey organization. Great company, good foundation, not getting 1,200% returns in one year not getting 1200% returns in 15 years. Um, so it's a different type of investing mindset. And that's okay because when you go on, when you start learning about invest, I call it getting money smart. That's millionaire key number three in my book. Um, you need to realize that just learn, like you spent 12 years in school learning about math, English, and science, you have to put the time in to learn about money. You have to spend time learning about it every day. You know, a little bit every day will stack up. It's not like you have to spend... 10 hours a day learning about it. Just go, hey, today it's on my schedule. I'm going to get up. I'm going to watch a video, listen to a podcast. Uh, I'm going to learn something new about money today that I didn't know yesterday. And that's a concept, a, a growth concept that I've adopted, which is, you know, become better tomorrow than you are today. What are you doing to be a better person tomorrow than you are today? Whether that's learning something, putting something into practice, whatever it is, you know, I've got six kids. I need to work on being a parent. How am I going to be a better parent tomorrow than I am today? And the reality is some days I'm not better tomorrow than I am today. Some days I'm probably worse tomorrow than I am today. But as a constant kind of moving forward, you know, there's 365 days in the year. How can you as a majority principle kind of keep getting better every day in some dimension of yourself? And I think those are principles that I would call foundational principles. Another one would be uh, when you talk about science, uh, my book doesn't start with the money principles. It starts with two other principles. Uh, one of them is develop strong character because I don't believe you can build or keep wealth if you don't have strong character. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people get rich. A lot of people lose it all. You know, um, you know, a lot of NFL players are broke after three years. You know, someone made 50 million, 100 million dollars and they're broke uh, three years after they get out of the NFL. And that's because their character. A lot of times it's their character. Other times it's some other stuff that's happened. Um, the second principle, millionaire key number two is maximize your time. Because there's so much waste. If you look at your time, what do you do with your time is huge. Fortunately, you know, I, I wasted a lot of time as a, as a video gamer. I had a video gaming addiction that came in about, roughly about the same time I started learning about money. And I spent a lot of time over the last 20 years playing video games. A lot of waste. But I also put time into growing as a person and learning things. So I was able to offset that to some extent. Probably could have been more successful. You mentioned $100 million. Um, it would be like, it would be nice to be worth a hundred million instead of where I'm at. You know, it's always, you know, more money, more help, more people you can help. It's a big principle. 
And uh, and just realize that you like you got to learn a lot, learn, continue to learn. I think the other thing, it's very dangerous to lock into one person's teaching, because what I find is that different personalities uh, build wealth in different ways. So if you look at Dave Ramsey, he talks a lot about mutual funds and 401ks. Those are fairly what you would call most financial advisors would say are safe investments. If you're doing most of your investing through a financial advisor, they're typically going to put you in a 401k or some kind of S&P index fund or some you know growth stock in mutual fund or something like that. And it, so that's very one dimensional. And the reason I say that is because there are dozens of ways to build wealth. That's only one. And it's probably not the best one. It's just one. And it's fairly repeatable. The problem with that model, in my opinion, is typically people who fall into that model basically have their house, a little bit of cash, and everything else in a stock or a mutual fund or a mutual fund model. That works okay until the market tanks and markets tank all the time. Uh, our economies collapse. So you're, you have exposure. What I like to look at is a, a more of a diversified portfolio. You know, like you mentioned cryptocurrency, you mentioned, um, you know, crypt, uh, I'm sorry, gold and silver crypto and, you know, stocks spread it around. And I would adopt a mindset that goes, Hey, I got a dollar. Where am I going to put it today? I put yesterday's dollar in a mutual fund. Today's dollar is going into Tesla or something else. Um, you know, this particular gentleman that I talked about, he did uh, short-term holds, uh, not day trading. He wasn't doing day trading, but he got in on a GameStop deal last year at $14 a share, sold out at $600 a share. It's a 42X gain on just that one stock. So um, that's a great return. Uh, <clears throat> he's a little bit more engaged. Some people want to be passive investors where they don't want to have to think about it much. Um, that's okay, but I still think that's very dangerous because you're really – offloading your responsibility for your money onto a financial advisor who you hope is doing a good job, but you're not like checking his work. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I when I went to school, uh, I even teach my kids this, right. They come to me and go, Oh dad, I got an 86 on my test and I should have got a hundred. I got one girl. She's an overachiever. I'm like, did you check your work? She's like, no, I'm just like, that's why you missed your 14 points. You always check your work. And it's just a principle. So if you're going to offload your investing to a financial advisor or a 401k manager or something like that, you're not engaging your brain. And you just have to accept the fact that you're going to get better results if you stay engaged at some level. But you have to keep your emotions out of it, right? You know, if you make emotional financial decisions on investing, uh, usually you're going to get burned because the psychology of wealth and the psychology of money, uh, it just affects you in different ways. I've even made some bad decisions, you know, around that. And, you know, we all do, but you just move on and keep going. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you hit a ton of key points in there. And I think if I could just pick off one, I think super important one, I mean, being around the right people, getting in a mastermind and whatever that is. I mean, I joined a group where it's a hundred dollars a quarter, it's $3,400 a year. I'm just around like-minded people who invest. We have weekly meetups. We're in a Slack chat together, just bouncing ideas. And that in itself is huge. I mean, just being around other like-minded people who want to build wealth is, is incredible. And then the other point I, I just wanted to, I mean, you're talking about pushing the needle forward every day. And I was on a phone call earlier this week with a guy who's looking to get into real estate. And he's like, yeah, Jesse, I, you know, what can I do? I, I don't know where to start. And it's like, dude, just crush a podcast every time you go to the gym. Like you go to the gym five, six times a week, just crush a podcast 
and get one percent better, dude, and just learn something. You know what I mean? It can just be that simple. Um, it's super powerful. Um, I, I this is kind of a unique question, but I mean, I didn't even know you were a father of six, which I think is super incredible <laughs> in itself. And I I can't wait till I'm a father one day. That title is something super special to me. Um, when it comes to good like luck. good luck, good <laughs> luck, Jesse. I don't know if I want to be a father of six, tell me, but uh, maybe like three or four or something like that. I gotta talk to my wife first. <laughs> Uh, when it, like I grew up in the family, Tony, where we never talked about money at the dinner table. And like, I wish we did. It was like talking about money was almost like stigmatized. What are some of the things that you're doing? I, you know, I'm really curious, how can parents out there kind of open up that conversation of talking about money and like kind of build their children's financial literacy, even at kind of a younger age or even in the teenage years? Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Robusta Move was founded from our passion for two of the most simple and amazing things in life, good coffee and good music. Both of these enjoyable aspects of life play a vital role in the bringing together of people. And although we understand that everyone's music taste is different, there's no denying that when it comes to coffee, the difference between a good cup and a bad cup is undeniably blatant. That's why in the spirit of community and coming together, we at Robusta Move have made it our mission to supply our customers with superior coffee that you, your friends, and your family can enjoy. And we'll leave the playlist up to you. Visit robustamove.com and save 20% on your first order with the code VINYL. That's code VINYL, V-I-N-Y-L to save 20% on your first order at robustamove.com. Robusta Move Coffee. Try it today. Yeah, I've got some thoughts on it. I wouldn't say they're the right thoughts. It's just what I'm trying to do. Uh, you know, uh, working at the Ramsey organization, he's got a lot of materials, but it's still all built around his seven baby steps, uh, which are good, a good foundation. So those, that's good material. What I find is they're, they're not as abundant-minded as what I would want to teach my kids. Um, you know, what I'm working on now is, you know, I was a millionaire by age 40. I'm like, can I turn some of my kids into millionaires at age 25? Can I give them the foundation of the principles? Because my friends have done it. I've got associates that are millionaires at age 25. Why can't my kids do it? And, and they have more, when you look at the family pedigree, they have a leg up already. They have, you know, a father, that, a family that's a millionaire. Um, and, you know, that has a little bit of wisdom. They're not having to figure it out on their own. So th there's a lot of things there where I'm like, how does this work? You know, and I'm hoping that I can create a model and a system whereby other people can adopt that as well, because I really am trying to go, you know, I I'm a big believer, man. Everybody in America can be millionaires. We can all do it together and just wealth and abundance. And once we do that, let's just teach everybody else how to do it in the world. There's this whole thing about people being poor, walking around poor is just in my mind, it's just so ridiculous. Um, when you look, you know, people going hungry, it's, it's insane how much money there is in certain people's hands that anybody on this planet should be going hungry. Like it's the reason they're going hungry is because nobody wants to fix the problem. And so I'm a big believer that the more people that have, the more good people that have wealth, the better we're going to attack these problems right now. I think the, the money is in the wrong people's hands. And, and the problems, the problems that face humanity are not getting dealt with properly. Uh, it's, it's whole thing. That's a whole nother soapbox, but kids wise, I think the first principle is to go, don't give your kids stuff. Like don't, don't spoil them with stuff where they expect it. So like I used to beg my mom, we go to Kmart, right? Kmart's kind of gone now. We go to Kmart, blue light, Mark, blue light, uh, specials going on all over the place. Um, 
my sister and I were playing tag and hide and seek in the clothes aisles, hiding in between the clothes when my mom's shopping. I'm like, I, I can't believe we, my parents let us do what we did. But we would beg. We go, hey, we're going to the toy aisle. And they're like, yeah, go come back with a toy. We, don't, we didn't have the money to buy that stuff. And we just beg and beg and beg and beg and beg until mom broke down and gave it to us. Why did she do that? Because when she grew up, she got nothing. Single mom raising five kids. One of the kids was in the military sending money back, sending money back to help the family. That's the family my mom grew up in. My dad was supporting himself in, in 10th grade, dropped out of school in 10th grade to support himself. So neither one of my parents grew up with any kind of benefits like financial nice things or any of that stuff. So they overcompensated for my sister and I. You know, there was one year my mom and dad sprung for $1,000 at Christmas. This was like in the 70s for my sister and I, late 70s, early 80s. And a thousand bucks, that's $2,000 on Christmas just for two kids. And that was extremely lavish. Like when you look at inflation rates. Yeah. And it's like they had no business spending that much money on us considering our financial situation. But because psychologically they wanted us to have more than they did, they overcompensated. So with my kids, I, had, I developed a rule where I'm like, we go to the store. They would ask me, can I get a candy bar? Can I get something? I'm like, hey, did we come in here for that thing? And they said, no, we didn't come in here for that. I'm like, you're right. And we're not going out with it either. And after a while, they quit asking for stuff, right? And that was the principle I've instilled in them very young. Now, as I'm older and they're more teenagers, I'm like, I'll take one of the kids with me. And I'm like, all right, you can get that, like that one thing. You know, it's a dollar uh, or a dollar and a half. And I'm, I've let up on that a little bit. But to teach them the foundation of being frugal and thrifty, that's what I did. Um, getting them on chores early. Now, I, I would say I've been really good with that, but I believe in immediate gratification versus racking up stuff. I'm not really good at racking it up. So I would keep, I've tried two things in the past. One's a bucket of quarters. You get a quarter of chore. You do the chore, you get the quarter. Like take trash out, get the quarter right now. Immediate gratification reward versus having to wait till the end of the week to settle up on everything. There's pros and cons to both model. I think the, the, the management of quarter immediate award it's got bonuses. It gets it taken care of. Now, when we ran out of quarters, we used poker chips. So uh, we would give a poker chip and say, hey, here's, you know, redeem this. Stack them up and redeem it when it's time. And they would stack them up, come back and say, hey, I need my $10 or my $20. Here's what I've collected, you know, for doing stuff for you. And that, that's been very helpful. Uh, now, my oldest son, I started working when I was probably about 10 for my dad, maybe 13 for my mom when I was growing up. So my parents did a really good job of putting work ethic into my system. I didn't do as good of a job with my kids on that one. So my oldest son really just started working probably at age 17, 18. Um, and then my next son, though, I, I basically sat him down, took both my boys to lunch. This was great. I think this was a, a shining fatherhood moment. So I'll share this one. I'm sitting down with both of them. And I look at my 16, he's 15, 16 years old. I'm saying, I said to him, on the, we're eating lunch on a Friday. I said, tomorrow, you owe me a list of three places that you want to apply and go to work for. And he came back and gave me a list of three. I said, that's great. Now go give this list to your mom and have her take you to those three places to go apply right now. And, and so they did. It was, that, it was just that simple, just very simple steps. And his mom had time available. They ran out. Did I think they hit two of them. I ended up taking him to the third one. And um, 
and he had to learn how to apply for a job. And he ended up working at Taco Bell and he's like a, a shining employee at Taco Bell. You know, I never worked fast food like that. I worked convenience stores, but now he's looking at getting a $25,000 scholarship from uh, Taco Bell for working there for three years. So, you know, things, opportunities are there. And uh, yeah, and so those are just simple things. The big one this year, though, that I think I shifted, this is new thinking for me, is abundance. So I started talking to them about wealth uh, this year, last year, actually. And uh, I took one of my sons to the gold and silver dealer with me. And I said, hey, we're going to talk to the gold silver guy. Dude pulled out like gold gold coins, 2000 bucks a piece, set them on the table, pulled out bars, got to handle the bars, you know, a uh, hundred ounce, which is uh, roughly close to, what is that? Uh, six, seven pound bar of silver. Uh, got to hold that big thing. You know, that's a, you know, two, three, $4,000 bar of silver. Um, it's just a different way. You know, that's real money. People, some people say, Robert Kiyosaki said it's God's money because uh, God made it. But um, that was a new thing. You know, I never did that. I didn't touch gold and silver till uh, 2000, probably 18, like ever. So I was 48 when I first touched gold and silver other than jewelry, you know. So now here's my 20 year old son touching gold and silver. And he bought uh, $500 in silver at that point. My other son uh, ended up buying Apple stock on E-Trade. So we set up an E-Trade account. I'm the, I was the custodian. I'm not anymore. And he bought uh, four, had $400 in the bank, bought $400 worth of Apple. Uh, within a few months, Apple split. And uh, he made, you know, I think he made five, 600 bucks on that trade uh, by the time it all got worked out. And uh, yeah. And so those are things I'm doing. I'm trying to, and I'm trying to help them do what I did at 25. I believe people can predict when they're going to be a millionaire by putting a plan together. Right. And, and it basically includes, you know, what's your debt plan, what's your income plan, what's your investing plan, wealth building plan. And if you put those three things together, you can actually predict when you're going to become a millionaire within a year. And, uh, and I, I need to do that with my kids. I need to get them thinking that way. But, you know, those are the things I'm trying to do right now as a dad. I would say I've been successful, overly successful in any of it. I'm learning, you know, first time parent. You're not going to do it right all the time. You don't get everything right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I appreciate all that. And I love asking that question because again, I grew up in the family where we really didn't have, again, like financial literacy just wasn't a priority, but it's like, what am I going to do as a father to fix that? And I've got a buddy who just bought, he syndicated a $14 million apartment building and his son, who's probably six years old, had saved up $10 uh, from his allowance. And he said, you know, son, give me that $10. You can come in on this deal with me. And instead of working each week, I'll just pay you a dollar. And he taught his son about cash flow and how passive income works. Because oh, that's good. His yeah, son that's really good. partnered with them his ten dollars on the fourteen million dollar apartment building. But just how, like, you know, his son's six years old and he's teaching him how you know you can make money in your sleep that you don't have to do chores to make money. What you refer to as active income as opposed to passive income. So I appreciate that mm -hmm. perspective. I love asking that. And like I said, I'll be in your shoes here pretty soon, Tony. Um, <laughs> maybe not father of six, but hopefully, you know, I'd be happy with father of three or whatever God gives me. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, everybody's got their limit. I'm a believer in that. I've, the funniest thing I was at some restaurant, some night thing we were doing out one night, and. uh some lady said something. I we got into some conversation, and she said, I, "I." She's like, "You've got six kids. I've got three. And she's like, "I'm worn out." And I looked at her. I said, three kids? That's a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally different." But you know, every at every step, when you got another, you added another child, it got a, it, you know, it got more challenging. But after about three, you go, yeah, it's kind of like you know, you play zone defense, and 
the biggest problem is you just don't have enough personal time with each kid, the more you have. And, and as you get older, you, you really have to be a lot more intentional about that. If I could go back and rewind the clock, you know, my youngest kid's 10 years old. My oldest is 21. I would, if somebody would have sat me down and coached me on being a parent, I would, the only, the only real advice I would probably say the most important thing that you can do is, you know, there's a lot of important things, but is, is one-on-one time with your kids. Like you need to be intentional about one-on-one time with your children and each one, because, you know, we had a couple that got lost in the shuffle. They're, they're just not as vocal. They're not as out front and things are going on. We're running around. You know, I was working a, not a lot of hours, but working. Uh, my w- wife's running around and, and the ones that are quiet, you know, they say it in business, right? The squeaky, squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's kind of like that with kids. You know, if the kids don't speak up, they kind of get left behind. And there's a thing called abandoned children, which even inside a family, you can be an abandoned child in a family because you just don't get the attention that all the other kids get. And uh, and we had some of that going on. You know, we're trying to fix it. We recognized it. But, you know, it it, it takes a lot of work to correct kind of some of those parent, parenting mistakes uh, along the way. But, man, I wish you luck, man. Uh, the more the merrier, though, right? I've got one for it's got like nine kids, dude. I, I gave up. He and I were in a race. <laughs> like, I'm tapping out. I'm tapping out. You keep going. Yeah, I'll, I'll race to 100 million. I don't think I want to race to nine kids, though. That's crazy. Uh, but uh, no, I, I appreciate that perspective. I mean, nobody's perfect. And even when I look at building, you know, my goal of passive income, it's like, you know, why, you know, what's the why behind that? The why has to be bigger than just the bottom line. It's like, you know, I want to spend time with my family. I want to be the dad that never misses a single sporting game. Like, that's on my board that's on my board over here right now. It's a goal of mine. You know, I'm not even a father yet, Tony, but my goal is already to be the father who never misses a sporting event. So that's, that's my goal. And that's my why behind uh, building, you know, this wealth and why I'm playing this game. So I want to hit you with just one last question before we wrap up here. You've already answered it a little bit, but I'm really intrigued kind of just to close it out on this last one. You know, if you could solve any problem in the world, Tony, what would it be and why? <laughs> That is a, I think if you ask me at different points in time, I would uh, give you a different answer. Let me give you the best answer I can give you. Everything in this world is built on a system. Everything, even the, even the plants, the plants are built on a system, the way they work, they operate our bodies, our lives, everything. And so, and so is the governments, the governments are all built on a system and the financial world of the planet is built on a system. Those systems are broken. They are not good systems. Those systems are designed to reinforce the power of certain people across generations, across power structures. And that is why right now with what we're dealing with as a planet is so off, is so jacked up. And it's hard to say that when you got people like me who are going, hey, I'm a millionaire, things are good. No, because there's too many people that are not benefiting from the system. The system is not designed to benefit everyone. The system is designed to, I hate to say it, man, it's, it's, it's harvest. It's harvest. It's when you get to the nutshell, it's a farm-based system and we're all living on the plantation and not all of us, but you know, 99.999%. And uh, that, that problem is one that I hope uh, when I look at what I'm bringing to the financial world, cause you know, there's thousands of white guys like me trying to teach people about money. 
and I can do I can do as good as any of them, but that doesn't change the system. And until we change the system, we can't change the statistics. You know, over 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Even the poorest people in America are the richest people in the world. Think about that for a minute. You got you got in Africa, you got some people that are living in, you know, 12 by 12 huts. And there might be 10 family members living in a 12 by 12 square foot area. That's 140 square feet. This office I'm sitting in right now is bigger than that. And those are not, those things are not good. It doesn't have to be that way, but the system, the system is designed to make it that way. And, uh, and we, so I would love to work together when I, you know, I'm 51, let's say I live to be a hundred, you know, give me 49 more years to work on this problem. Uh, it's going to take more than just me. It's going to take a group of people who are willing to come together because the problem's too big uh, to to reestablish a new system and a new way of things to work. But that's that's my big deal right there. That's why I'm doing what I do every day. Uh, it's not just to help people with their finances. It's to uh, reset that system into a better system. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful. And like you said, I, I mean, I was talking about it before, the why is so much bigger than just, you know, the bottom line or, or making money. It's like, we want to help people change the world. And you're doing that every day, Tony, with your programs, your book, your podcast. So I appreciate you coming on, brother. Today was a great discussion. I want people to follow up with you. Again, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I'm going to I'm gonna download your book after this too. How can people get a hold of you, Tony? What, what are the best platforms to reach on and, and how can they follow up with you? Yeah, it's super simple. It's the mil- the millionaire choice, themillionairechoice.com. The podcast is the same, the millionaire choice. My big goal this year is to hit some good numbers on the podcast, uh, reach more people and uh, you know, make a bigger footprint, get this message out. Um, yeah, and you can you know follow me up at tonybradshaw.com, but it's pretty much the same information at both places. Um, yeah, and I I do a free uh, coaching call, so I set aside an hour of my day every day uh, to to if somebody wants to talk to me about something, just needs a little help, could be a single mom, I get calls from you know, all over the country, uh, young people, people in their fifties, talked to a guy yesterday in his fifties, uh, just kind of getting his stuff together. And it's like, man, I just want to have an impact on people. And one hour by talking to the right person, I think can really change your life. So I just decided to, you know, set aside an hour of my day to do that. And, uh, you can book a free, free appointment call with me if you want. It's right there on the millionairechoice.com. That's awesome, Tony. Again, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Your story is incredible. And, and I, I just love the huge macro picture behind this, that, I I am completely aligned with you. Anyone can become a millionaire with the right mindset and right steps taken. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you for explaining that to everyone. And I I can't thank you enough for coming on Wealth Science. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. See you, brother. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.